Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 249. Never settle for less than your best. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Jonathan Katz. Jonathan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Got the five-point harness ready to go. Let's do it. All right. Jonathan Katz is the general manager of Katz Exotics in Linwood, Washington. He and his father have turned their automotive passion into one of the biggest and most respected exotic and collector dealerships in the United States. Katz Exotics specializes in the hard-to-find automobile. The Katz motto is, if we don't have it, we can find it holds true. At any time, their inventory is a mix of everything from muscle cars, street rods, domestic and foreign sports, and supercars to the newest exotic and luxury vehicles. Jonathan has enjoyed a life growing up around amazing vehicles, and he's taking his family business to the next level. Jonathan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit about your history, your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles? Yeah, I, you know, I've grown up around cars my entire life. Uh, you know, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool car guy, I guess you could say. Uh, my dad's had a passion for cars, every type of car my whole life. Lamborghinis, more specifically, the last 10 or 15 years or so, I guess. And, uh, you know, it was just natural for him and, and then for me to kind of go into business in the car industry. And, uh, you know, they say, you know, do what you love and it won't ever feel like work. And it couldn't be more true for us. It's uh, been a great blessing for sure. Well, you guys have a, a neat niche up here in the Pacific Northwest, although you cater to people all over the country and the world, most likely. But uh, you guys have this amazing collection of cars, and I've been up to your shop. I've been to events where you guys have, have brought cars and so forth. Is there a car that's kind of your favorite right now? Are you into Lamborghinis as well, or are you kind of into other stuff? You know, of course, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a Lamborghini guy because I grew up around them and, and I love Lamborghinis. Um, and, and so that, that's hard for me to, to, uh, to, to shy away from those. I've always loved the Diablo. It's just such a great car and it's just, it's so beautiful. It's one of the cars that's as good to look at as it is fun to drive. <clears throat> you know, I think McLaren's doing some special stuff right now. I think they have some really cool cars. 
And, uh, and so that's been really awesome. I picked up uh, my first Porsche ever about a year and a half ago, a 993 Turbo. Right. And that has like completely changed how I, how I even see cars. That's the most amazing car to drive. And so kind of all over the place there. But, uh, you know, we, are, we have so many unique cars that it, it, I get that question every time people come in. They're like, what's your favorite car here? What's your favorite one you have or whatever? It's hard for me to pick a favorite. They're like all my children, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love them all for different reasons. Yep. But, you know, I'm definitely still a Lamborghini guy at heart, and uh, there's just nothing like that big V12 rumbling right behind you. There's nothing like it. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. It's something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Jonathan, take the wheel. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, back in high school, I was big into wrestling. and was pretty competitive, and one of my one of my favorite quotes was, uh, "Never settle for less than your best." I think it's become pretty ingrained in in how I run my life and how I run the business. And you know, we're always striving to do the absolute best we can, whether it's the best photography or whether it's detailing every car or whether it's making sure every car is serviced or whether it's making sure every customer is ten out of ten happy to the best of our ability. I think of us as more like a boutique. We don't have the right car for you. You want a yellow car and we only have red, then, you know, let's either find you a yellow one or find you a place that does because I don't want you to be in a red one if it's not what you want. So we're always striving to do the absolute best we can and and just be a step above and and really a step ahead of everyone else if we can. Well, you're dealing with a, a customer base that is not necessarily buying based on price but on passion, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, certainly people are still price conscious and that sort of thing and they want to make sure they're getting a good deal. But, you know, yeah, they're buying on passion and they're buying on what they think they're getting for their money if more than anything else too, you know, and and part of that is our reputation or being able to convey to them the quality or condition of the car and then feeling like you're being honest with them and that you're not, you know, trying to pull it over their eyes and and put one past them. and, And, you know, that's why you know, we try to be super forthcoming and, and, and stuff. And yeah, it really is a passion thing. I mean, we get guys that, you know, would never even look at a Lamborghini that are buying our muscle cars and, and vice versa. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. Would you share a story with me today that instigated your passion for cars? You said you grew up in a family with your dad who's been into cars forever. But is there a moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Oh, man. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. I can kind of track my dad's passion for cars with his success in business as well, because going back to my earliest memories, he was a big Corvette guy. And then I remember a little bit, you know, later in life, probably, you know, nine through 14, 15, somewhere around in there, he was a Ferrari guy. And then 355. And I think around I was 16, 17, he maybe had a 360. And then eventually he, he, transition to the Lamborghini side. So it's kind of funny. I can kind of see as his businesses grew and he became more successful. So did the caliber of car, I guess you could say he was buying. <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, one, one thing I, I was trying to think actually of this. One thing that I really remember is I remember basically learning to drive a stick on a 355 Ferrari. And, uh, wow, that's a and, car to learn on. Yeah. You know, it was quite the experience. And, I just remember, you know, I, I may or may not have been 16 yet and my dad, you know, teaching me. And, I, and even before that, when I was 9 or 10, because they had the open gate shifter, which there's nothing like in the world, I would actually, you know, he's in the driver's seat. We're driving, you know, to dinner or whatever. 
and I would get to shift for him so he engages the clutch and I get to shift <laughs> from third to fourth or whatever it might be or downshifting. And, and, you know, he'd always take me when he would buy, you know, new cars or whatever. I'd get to go to the dealership with him and just learn about the cars. And so probably if I had to pick one, you know, kind of thing, it was it was honestly probably learning how to shift on – uh, a 355, which is, to, and to me, of course, you know, it's one of my favorite cars of all time for, you know, the, probably the nostalgic reasons. And, sure. you know, there's nothing in my, there's nothing better than that gated shifter and, you know, that high whale of that, you know, I think it's 8,500 RPM engine. And that's, that was probably definitely one for me. And I just knew, and shortly after I got my license, we went to a big car show in Seattle, actually down in Tacoma. And we took the 355 and another car down there, and I, I I got to drive it there and back, and I just thought, you know, that I was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> well, I think you were. Not too many 16-year-olds get to learn how to drive in a Ferrari. That's no. that's pretty cool. I taught pretty my blessed. son. Yeah, I taught my son how to drive a stick shift in a, uh, our 72 911 S, and I think in many ways, sometimes these super, these high-performance cars are a little bit easier to learn in because of the way you can slip the clutch a little bit. And uh, yeah, cover your ears, everybody. I said slip the clutch. But it does <laughs> it does help you learn how to drive, and the, the revs are a little different in the car. So <laughs> sounds awesome. I actually say that all the time to people when they ask, you know, oh my gosh, isn't it? So I'm like, you know, it's actually almost easier to drive these cars because they're built to such a high level. Like once you get past the fear factor that you're driving, if it's not your car or whatever, that you're driving around someone's, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar car you know, they're actually easier to engage the clutch and easier to drive. And it's kind of an ironic thing that I, I agree that I say that all the time. You know, I think you're right in that gated shifter is so special. I got to drive one of my dream cars years ago. I uh, ran into a guy at Moroso in Florida and he let me drive his 250 short wheelbase. I couldn't believe oh, it. Yeah. yeah. A guy I just met. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can look down, you can see exactly where the gear is going to go. You don't have to worry too much about doing anything silly. So Fantastic. And that metal on metal sound, there's just nothing like that. <laughs> nothing yeah. like it, yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, riding a Ducati, you know, that dry clutch. You just hear the yeah. mechanicalness of that working, yeah. so fantastic. So, Jonathan, what I'd love to do now is look down some of the roads you've driven and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure failure that you've faced in your career. You're a young man, but I assume there's been some things that you've had to face and deal with, and the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? And even more important, what did you learn from it? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you two different ones. One's more from a personal standpoint and one's more from you know, our, our business's standpoint. Uh, the first one, business standpoint, is that, as you mentioned, you know, I, am, I am pretty young. I am 29, definitely much younger than my, uh, my peers. The automotive industry is definitely uh, you know, a crowd that's been in it for a long time. And so <clears throat> when, I just, when I had first graduated college, or was graduating college rather, I, you know, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to be like, oh, you just went into the family business or whatever. And so I moved away from Seattle and I, uh, and I went in, you know, started working for a shipping company doing sales for them. And it was right, you know, that was in 2008, 2009. So it was right when the, Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah, it was right when the economy was going, was going south. So I was personally doing well because I wasn't involved in the DHL side of things. But at that time, DHL had pulled out of uh, the U.S. market and, mm-hmm company I was working for about 70% of their revenue was, was DHL based. And so I really struggled. It was down in, uh, I was down in Southern California and, you know, I, I kind of had to swallow my pride and realize that I had a lot of really good opportunities, um, up here in Seattle and that I was kind of not squandering them, but you know, all the people that don't have a good opportunity to go work for a family business, I was kind of almost doing those people a disservice, right? Not taking advantage <laughs> of what I had in front of me. And so 
I, you know, I, I stuck it out for a while and decided that I just needed to move back to Seattle. I, I came back. Of course, my dad didn't go and appoint me general manager or anything like that right away. And in fact, that point in time, Cats Exotics was still a, a very small, almost hobby-like business. Mm-hmm. I went and worked on the bottom of the totem pole for his other other business, which is a fire alarm company. And you know, we slowly, you know, I slowly gained his trust. And then we started Cats Exotics, and kind of, you know, so from a personal standpoint, that was a challenge for me, kind of having to a swallow my pride, B come and learn to work with my dad. You know, working with family is has a lot of pluses, <laughs> but a lot of negatives as well. It's, it takes certain, I think, people to be able to do it, right? And, you know, and then from a business standpoint, you know, we, this started as a hobby for my dad. It, it was never intended to be as large of, his, of a business as it is. And in fact, even to the point when we four years ago moved into our current facility, um, still even then, I don't think he thought that it would be where we're at now. Um, he kind of just wanted a place to put all of his cars and kind of semi-retire, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I guess we had other, uh, you know, I guess the universe or me, I, I guess, had other plans and... <laughs> We moved into our facility with 16 cars. You know, we have about 60 now. Our goal is to get to around 100 yep. consistently in stock. So we grew really rapidly the first year and a half, two years. And we're still definitely growing. But, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was a whirlwind. And it was just him and I. And we brought on another sales guy that was pretty experienced. And, you know, we have a, di- a unique way of, of doing sales. We're not high pressure. We're, we're the complete opposite. In fact, we don't have a, you know, we own all of our own cars. We don't have a flooring plan here. So, you know, at the end of the month, I'm not scrambling to sell cars because I need to or whatever, you know, if you want to buy it, great, you know, we'll do what we can to help you. And if you don't, then that's fine. Like I'd rather sell it to someone that's really going to want the car. So, you know, we're, we're growing and growing and it just got to the point where we needed to hire another salesperson and, and the salesperson that we hired just wasn't the right fit. And we kind of, took on a lot of, you know, a lot of different things with this sale, new salesperson that really were kind of like bigger than our britches, you know, mm. and, and we, you know, having an, a full-blown F&I department and, and doing, you know, a lot of things that dealerships that sell Honda Accords and sell 100 a month or even, or even high-end dealerships that's, that have been in business for 20 years mm. um, do that we just weren't ready for. Mm. And so we had to kind of make an adjustment and, and sl- kind of slow ourselves down, honestly, and look back and say, okay, you know, we're, we're growing rapidly, but let's grow organically and make sure that everything is, uh, is the way that we want it to be, whether that's the salesperson or the sales process or how we handle financing or, or the, you know, or the right. cars we're bringing in or, or whatever it might be. Because ultimately, I mean, literally our name is on the building. Um, I, I'd rather sell a hundred cars a year and it be our way and, and everyone be satisfied and sell 300 cars a year and have, you know, a quarter of those people not get the experience that we want them to have. Would you say part of that experience had to do with uh, stepping back a bit and deciding that you needed to come up with a plan and then work that plan versus just the growth kind of taking over and, and steering you maybe down the wrong path? Absolutely. You know, you, when you, you're confronted with growth or anything that you feel like you need to make a decision quickly, you run the risk of that decision not being the right one because you didn't think it through as much. Right. And so for us, what we did is we, you know, we, we took a step back. We had actually someone that had been an employee here for uh, several years kind of step in and help us augment the bleeding in terms of helping with sales because we, we, did, we did have the, the number of leads coming in that we needed someone to help us. And then, you know, eventually we were able to find someone that were, you know, that also had car experience, but that was a little more receptive to 
the way that we wanted to do business. And at that point in time, you know, six months later or whatever, we had, as you stated, come up with a better plan of exactly how we wanted to train someone and exactly putting down on paper what our sales process is and what the Cats Exotics experience is. Because before it was just my dad and I, I know intrinsically what that experience is. It was almost hard for me to put it down on paper and say, okay, this is what we do. And, uh, you know, and for me personally, I had to learn to become a coach. You know what I mean? I've always been a self-motivator, a lead by example person, but you can only lead by example so much. You have to, you have to sit down and coach people around you and say, okay, this is how we do things, you know, and this is why. And, and do it in a way that they learn and that they understand and that they want to do things the way that you want them to or that you sure. think is right or whatever. So There's a great book that helped me early in a business I was involved in called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And in that book, yep. he talks about the importance of setting up systems, procedures, and as you said, learning how to become a coach or a manager and how to change from being uh, somebody who's working in your business to working on your business. So it's uh, it's a wonderful book that has helped. I've referred it to many people with small businesses that are looking to grow so that that business doesn't just take over, that you can devise a plan and so forth. Great advice. Jonathan, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments that you've had when the headlights came on and kind of illuminated your way to a, a new idea or a new direction and, and share with us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. For us, we uh, we don't you know we didn't bring on any consultants. We didn't bring on uh, anyone really experienced in the automotive industry. I mean, we've literally done everything as we go. And I mean, we we call you know we're friends with other car dealerships both in the area and around the country. And if we really seriously have a question, we'll call them and say, "What do you do in this moment? What do you do?" And and that sort of thing. And uh, I mean, to get real specific, I just remember one time. You know, we've always gone to collector car auctions and we've always taken cars there and we offer consignment and. Uh, and we, and I was only, I was like, why are we not consigning cars to auction? I, I was trying to, at the time, increase or add more, you know, revenue channels to the business, if you will. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, all these people have cars that are on consignment with us and, you know, our goal is to get them sold and they're sitting here, it might be here for a month and, you know, Barrett Jackson comes and goes, Meekum comes and goes and their car is still sitting there. Meanwhile, we're taking 10 or 15 or 20 cars or whatever it might be of our own down to these auctions. And so we decided to... Um, I want to say it was Barrett Jackson 2013. So we'd been in our, in our shop about a, a year and a half almost at that point in time, I guess, and mm-hmm. for six months at that time. And I said, okay, let's get some, let's, let's just talk to a couple consigners that have really prime cars for the auctions and see if they would be interested in it. And they were, and we took, I think three or four cars down there. And now, you know, we take 10 to 15 consignment cars to every auction. Some of them are cars we already have here. Some are people that come out of the woodwork. Some are people that don't want to do, you know, because some people don't want to put their car here on the lot either. They just want to get it over with or whatever. And so for us, that was a big moment to realize like, oh, wow, we were kind of kind of have a good chance here to make some more money and, and to sell some more cars and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. And, you know, now I have some customers that I do a couple cars every auction with them. You know what I mean? Cause sure. Auction buying and selling is almost a hobby all in it or in a business almost all on its own. Of course, yeah. And so we had guys that just like to do that. So that was a that was a big one for us. And then, you know, I would just say that it's kind of not like a really aha moment, but just over time my dad and I have, have really learned to work synergetically with each other. Mm-hmm. And that has made us as a business a lot more nimble and a lot more able to uh, do the things that 
you know, we need to, we, we both have our roles, you know what I mean? It started out really with him as the boss and, you know, as he gave me a lot more authority, it, it kind of maybe even tilted the other way, you know, where I was <laughs> having a little too much authority and now we just, we kind of got a good balance and or, sure. or, you know, try to keep a good balance at least and, and realize that, you know, sometimes it's difficult with two roosters in the hen house and so realizing that we couldn't, <laughs> Living that way wasn't always going to be the best. We kind of had to just be better at working together, uh, especially with other employees around. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's, that's really made, uh, made a lot of difference for us as well. Absolutely. Great. How about proudest moments? I assume you've had many in your career, but is there one in particular you could share with me? Yeah. So it, was just, it wasn't really any indicative of, uh, thing of how we've done as a business, but Last year at the Bear Jackson auction in Vegas, we sold an Aventador there, which did great. We were very happy with the sale. Yeah, and we were on their we were on the front of their magazine, and uh, it cool. was just really cool. You know, like I grew, I've been to you know going to Bear Jackson for ten years, and uh, I just you always see the magazines in there, you know, three inches thick, and you're like, man, that's such a cool car on the front. And it was really cool to be on all of their marketing materials. We were their lead car, and um, that was. A definitely a very proud moment for me. <laughs> very cool. Absolutely. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun here. You've been around a lot of cars, but what was your first really special car? I mean, my first special car has to has to just be my first car, which was uh, just a Ford F-150. Nothing super special necessarily. I painted my parents' house in the, in the summer before I turned 16 to... Uh, to raise the money for it. And I, you know, I was working other, cause I wasn't 16 yet. So I couldn't really work, you know? And <laughs> so I, I, I raised up enough money to, um, I think they split it down the middle with me. I think I paid like four grand or something like that for it back in 2001 or whatever. And, yep. uh, yeah. So I bought a, bought a old, uh, old Ford F-150 called it. It was blue. And I put blue lights in like the rear reverse lights. I called it the blue light special. And <laughs> I drove that thing all around, uh, all around in high school. And I got rid of it right before I went to college. And I wish I still had it. Cause I guarantee it'd still be running today. Those things run forever. And, uh, yeah, that was a really special car. It was a stick shift. It was, which was, was awesome. And, uh, I was one of the first ones in my high school to get a license. So of course all the all the ladies loved me to go to, to lunch and so, uh, you know, get off campus and that sort of thing. So yeah. uh, that was a very special car to me. For Absolutely. Sure. How about seller's remorse? Now, you're a young man, so maybe you haven't sold a lot of vehicles. I'm not talking about vehicles you've sold from your business because you've sold a lot of vehicles in your business. But for yeah. you in particular, is there a vehicle you let go that you really wish you hadn't? Yeah, you know, like you said, I haven't bought and sold a lot. I've had, you know, a half dozen or so cars bought and sold in my life uh, or more and I had it throughout college, or sorry, after college, I had a, uh, I had an Audi S4 that was a daily driver, which is just like a great daily driver for the Seattle weather, rain, snow. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, you know, I had the big 4.2 V8, which you just can't beat that sound, and and it was white, which is really rare to find in those cars. And a couple years ago, I sold it because I bought another car, and you know, if I if it was today, I would have just kept it, you know, for the for the money, I would have just kept it, but. At the time, I needed to sell it, and I sold it to a family who was just super happy about it. But the guy, not only was I really sad to sell it because it was just such a beautiful car, and I had a lot of fun times in it. I, I actually, it was the car that I drove down to Southern California to move, and I drove back with my sister in to move back to Seattle, and we did the 101, and or you know all that stuff. Yeah, a storm happened, and a tree fell on it and totaled the car. Oh no. And the, 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 the family called me and they were like, we just wanted you to know. And I, so that it just like made the buyer's remorse even worse because I was like, 
I can't ever get that car back. You know, I could go find another white one. Right. Um, which I'm one of these days I will, but so, uh, yeah, that, that car was a, a bummer car to see go. Cause it's just such a, for the money, such a fantastic car. And I just had a lot of great times in it. It sounds like it. How about a car that you bought that shortly after you said to yourself, what was I thinking? Man, you know, I haven't really had any like that too much. I bought a couple years ago, I bought an older Chevy Tahoe. I'm an avid skier. And so I bought something I didn't want to take my, I have a, uh, I just got, I actually just got rid of my RS5, but at the time I had just gotten an RS5, Audi RS5, and I didn't want to take it up to the mountains, you know, two times a weekend or three times a week sometimes. And so I bought an older Chevy Tahoe to do that. And I'm also a big, big into UW athletics, UW football, and I tailgate. And I wanted something that was, you know, I got to worry about drunk people smashing into it, you know, the, at the football game or yeah. whatever it might be. And I bought this Chevy Tahoe at a dealer auction. I got a really good deal on it. And I got it, and it was just a can of worms, the amount of work I had to put into it to get it drivable and safe and reliable. And, and it's it's been a great car, but it seems like once a year I have some sort of of yeah. issue with it. And then I also had a, uh, probably actually an even better example, I had a... Uh, I had a Ford Bronco that I had um, restored, and I, I, I paid a guy to do the restoration, a local guy, and I got it back from him. The restoration took way longer than he said, went over money. I, you know, I expected that. That's what happens with restorations or yeah. home remodels or any of that sort of thing. But I got it back, and long story short, he basically did the cosmetic upgrades and didn't do any of the mechanical, electrical, brake, mm. all these upgrades he said he was going to do. And I got the car, and I mean, literally the first time driving it, it overheated. You know what mm. I mean? And he had put, like, the thermostat in backwards. And, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and I'm driving it home, and it's rattling all over the street. And, you know, I find out that, I mean, you name it, it was wrong with it. I sent it down to Matthewson's down in Renton. And I said, go through it. And I spent another 18,000 bucks with them. Oh, gosh. You know, which on a Bronco is a yeah. lot because there's not really a lot. I mean, it's an engine. You know, it's yeah. not really a Pretty lot with those cars. Pretty basic vehicle. Pretty basic vehicle. So long story short, he didn't really do anything that he said he was going to. And so that car was a con- also a continual can of worms for me. Even after I got it back from Matthewson's, no fault of their own. But I would have, you know, little th- – and it just seems like eh, things were always going wrong with it. However, nice story to end it, though. I finally got it dialed in. I went to Bear Jackson, and I sold it for, like, the most money any Broncos ever sold for, I think, still to date. <laughs> wow. And uh, so, you know, it ended up working. You know, it ended up working out, and it was dialed in by then. You know, the person that got it, they, I've talked to them a few times. They're happy with it, and they Good. enjoy driving it. So. <laughs> Very cool. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? You know, I have a, I, as I had mentioned earlier, I bought a 993 uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, there's still little little things here and there that I'm doing to it. I, I put a I put a matte green wrap, like a mint green wrap on it. That's pretty awesome. Oh, and, cool. Uh, just it, something fun, you know. And I'm dialing in the things I want for it, the wheels. I'm, I'm thinking of doing some uh, some engine upgrades to it. And, and that's just, a, that's it's not really a project per se, but it's kind of the car right now that if I you know, get the itch to get something automotive, you know, added to it. It's, uh, it's the one I look to. And, and I just picked up a, an S6 as well last week, actually a new brand new S6. Nice. And so, uh, so yeah, so that car is currently getting ready to get some mods to it. Cause I'm, I'm not a, not a drive it stock fan necessarily, especially with <laughs> cars like that. It. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Sounds like fun. Here's a real introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? 
and why. And this isn't so much about the kind of car you wish you were. It's based on how you perceive yourself. Yeah, I was thinking of that one earlier too, and I was trying to think of like a car that had like recently come out that maybe people were kind of like skeptical about. Well, you know what I was more meaning from that is, you know, I'm being 29, I'm a pretty young guy, you know, and especially when I was first doing this at like 24 years old, you know, it was hard to command respect from people a lot of times. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 um, granted, a lot of our sales are over the phone and the internet, so people have no idea how old I am, but in person or, you know, over the phone, a lot of times they could tell. And so I was trying to think of, of something, uh, something like that, um, that, and I was having a diff- difficult time doing that. But then I was thinking, you know, like the, the, um, the new Corvette, you know, every time a new Corvette comes out, people are like, oh, is it going to, how is it going to be? Is it going to be good performance? How is it going to look? Or, you know, are we going to be disappointed? And mm-hmm. while the Corvette obviously has been around forever, the new Corvette hasn't. And that, and, and that car is also an, an amazing car for the money. And you really get a lot of bang for your buck. And yeah. so I, I kind of thought of myself as like one of the new Corvettes. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a really reliable car. I actually had the chance of driving, um, driving it around the Bondurant um, course last oh, cool. uh, January with my dad. We did the three-day class out there, which was an absolute oh, blast. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're actually the first class to get those, uh, get the new ones with the Z51 p- uh, track package on them. And wow beat through those cars and they, they last forever. And so I kind of look at myself like that, you know, I really got my, I really caught in, you know, got in young here and, you know, I plan on being around for a while and, uh, you know, I might have to reinvent myself a few times, but, uh, you know, I'll still be Definitely. here and still performing. So yeah, I like that great answer. That's why I like that question. So Jonathan up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, we want to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand where you can find his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E, Gear.com. All right, Jonathan, we're entering the last lap, and you've been on the track. You know what that means. The white flag is out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say that uh, the uh, car collecting is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to know what you're doing, that's for sure. Yep. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Uh, I'm a very organized person. I got that from my mom. I am almost OCD about it. And uh, just keeping all your ducks in a row has always really helped me um, achieve my goals and succeed and make sure I'm getting everything done that I need to. Thank you, mom. My mother instilled yeah. that in me as well. It's a great attribute. Sometimes it could be a little bit of a burden, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. got to walk the line there. You Absolutely. Know. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with the CarShell listeners you think they would really enjoy? Maybe it's a website, a supplier, maybe even it's an app that you use quite often. 
Yeah, you know, actually a website that I think not a lot of people know about that I use for car values um, a lot is, uh, I guess I'm giving a little bit of a trade secret of mine away here, but that's okay. Um, it's called Concept Cars with a Z, C-A-R-Z. Um, and they have literally every car, every make, every manufacturer. And not only do they give the information on the different models and, and, and that sort of thing, but they have like every uh, every bit of auction data in North America for the last 10 years, 15 years or whatever. Wow. So it's and they average it out and they break it down by engine and trim and it's an amazing, amazing resource to use when you're trying to put value on a car, especially from an auction standpoint. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, one of the great things about guests here on Cars Yeah is they share some amazing resources. That's the first time anyone shared that site, and I'm sure our listeners are gonna really be appreciative of that because that's usually the first thing people ask about cars, what is it worth? Yeah. You know, what's the value? So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Cars Yell listeners would really enjoy reading? Oh, man, that's a that's a hard one. Yeah, I don't have a I don't I, I, this is completely off the wall, but I always was a big Patrick McManus fan. You know, <laughs> he always wrote about humor and outdoors. And I grew up uh, over in eastern Washington hunting and fishing and, and that sort of thing. So if you haven't checked any of him out, uh, uh, he is a, a fantastic author, especially if you're into the outdoors at all. He's hilarious and, and great to read. So. Awesome. Great, great. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources that Jonathan has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Jonathan Katz. C-A-T-S is how you spell his last name. All right, Jonathan, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question will be a real doozy, especially for a guy who has so many cars around him and has. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to write the check. What would that one vehicle be and why? Man, you know, uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, having, uh, you know, I keep coming back to this 993. I mean, having owned that, I mean, there's just, that's just one of the most amazing cars on the planet. And I mean, but I would love to swap it out, of course, for a Turbo S version. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, 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 that would be one of them. I think another one would be uh, the uh, the Mira uh, Jota. That is just a, a beautiful car and just so rare and so valuable. And, and the paint job is stunning. And uh, I think that would definitely be a- another one uh, that I would put in there. Probably more to look at than drive. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'd have the Porsche for the driving side of it, and the, and the Mira for the uh, the looking at it. So there's two. I, since you're writing the check, I figured I could pick two cars. No, you know? I'm sorry, I can't afford two. You know, I've had 249 guests on this show. I've written a lot of checks. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I'm going to have you just narrow that down to one because I can't let you get away with two. I've had too many people try that. So let's say between the Jota. And the 993, the Turbo S, which of those two would you park in your garage today? Well, you know, my dad, one of his uh, famous quotes is, uh, if you want to look at it, buy a poster, drive it the way they were meant to be driven. So I think I'd <laughs> probably have to side uh, with the Porsche just from the pure drivability standpoint and, and the passion and pure just joy you get from that. Yeah. So the Porsche 993 Turbo S, that's your car. You yeah, you absolutely. I've had 993. They're fantastic cars. Wonderful. Not a Turbo S. I've driven one, but uh, great choice, my friend. Awesome. Jonathan, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche 993 Turbo S? In life and in business, it's it's easy to sometimes uh, lose sight of your goals, and you know you you come across challenges, or you have you know being in sales, you have slow months or whatever it might be, and just you know, uh, I've just always kind of been like, keep your head down, keep working hard, 
And, you know, if you're doing things the right way and you're doing things the way that, you know, you feel is, is, is the best route. Um, and if it is, I mean, the success is going to come. My dad and I didn't know what we were doing when we did, we started this. We knew that we were doing things the way that we thought was right. And it's proven that way for us. Um, and we've just always kind of stuck to our guns and, uh, it's, 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 done well for us we're very happy with where we've been and where we're going to be to be honest as well well congratulations and thanks that's some great advice what's the best way for the cars yeah listeners to learn more about your business uh well obviously or the easiest way of course is our website catsexotics.com both of those are plural uh and then also we have a pretty big facebook following uh as well so we we post a lot of fun stuff every day um that's a great way to stay continually connected and see some really cool images and videos and and, uh, stay connected with us as well fantastic well listeners you can find everything we've talked about today at jonathan's show notes page at carsyad.com slash jonathan katz and i encourage you to check out their website check out their cars and if you're up here in the pacific northwest give them a call go over to their facility and look at some of the equipment and metal they've got around their showroom it's absolutely fantastic these guys know how to how to bring the right cars to your garage Jonathan, thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise today and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!